With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, Magic and Jennifer's. So something clicked in my brain and I said that the, I want this power. You know, this is this is what I want. And uh, I started learning from magic books. The, the point was I was trying to fool my brother. That was my main goal. He got me and I need to learn something I can get him back with. And uh, that took about 15 years. Well, because there's subtext there. The subtext is I know something that you don't. And there is this this word wonderment. So if I put a card in your hand face down and then you name any card and I say, look at it and it is that card. There's, there's mystery. There's one like, that's not possible. You're breaking the everyday rules and that, that or no other art form has that. There are tricks that I have practiced for literally three, four years before actually doing them in front of people. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, Welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is doing things in the world of magic that have never been done, inventing new tricks, selling out venues, and entertaining millions of people worldwide. What I think is really interesting about this conversation, though, is not just how the tricks are learned or how the tricks are performed, and he does share some secrets about how he does it, but what it takes to become a professional magician and what the business is really like. This is card magician Jason Ladani. So do you remember your first trick? Well, yes, I do remember the first trick that was shown to me, uh, and that's why I'm here today, actually. Uh, so my older brother, who was a much older, he's 11 years older than me. So he wasn't the rivalry. He was like the hero. You know, he did that trick where there's four jacks that go into different apartment levels. This jack, this is the robber, goes into the first floor, the second floor, the third floor. And then one jack stays on the roof as the lookout. And then when the police come, you knock on the on the deck and all the jacks come off the top. And my brain just, you know, at seven years old, you're just learning how the world, you know, there's rules to the world. And he put those jacks in four different spots in the deck and there's no way that they could just end up on top like that. So something clicked in my brain and I said that the, I want this power. You know, this is this is what I want. And uh, I started learning from magic books and I, I don't my, my first tricks weren't anything even to to write home about, but the the point was I was trying to fool my brother. That was my main goal. He got me and I need to learn something I can get him back with. And uh, that took about 15 years. Uh, and I'm not even exaggerating. For 15 years, I showed him tricks. And he would always just say, no, you, that's I saw it. That's how you, you palm that card. Or <laughs> show me show me the rest of the deck kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And um, I was like 
in my early 20s when I showed him a trick once and he he just stopped. He didn't say anything. Finally got him. Huh? He was dead silent. And afterwards, I was like, yes. And then the side effect of that was I ended up becoming a professional uh, magician. How hard is it to become a professional magician? Uh, well, I I don't think I'm built like other people. I, I have this desire uh, to to just be the best, to, to work as hard as I possibly can, read as many books, hang out with the world's best uh, mag other magicians that have already done, uh, you know, Darwin Ortiz is my mentor, considered one of the best in the world. Becoming a professional magician is about creating good material that people can't figure out, having a character that people like and going out there and sharing and performing and putting yourself out there advertising so people know I will come entertain and I'm going to be damn good at it. You know, you word of mouth, do a gig, have people come back, hand out business cards and just build that up. I did all sorts of things uh, to help get myself out there. This is even pre-internet, really. You know what I mean? This is this is doing events, calling up event places and saying, hey, I, I offer this service. Do you have events that I can do and come entertain at? So you call up a, a convention center and talk to the person that does the events. And that way, when someone is holding an event and you say, oh, by the way, would you like some entertainment for this event. I have a great guy in town, you know, that kind of thing. So word of mouth, honestly, that's what it was. And then in 2013, I published my first book uh, and that really helped. That put me on the map for some credibility. And then in 2018, I published my second book, but I, I went full pro in about 2009 or so. Is it, okay, let me ask these questions, get it out of the way. Are you closer to ramen noodles or mansions? <laughs> well, um, I make a very good living now when i started out it, you, you have to climb the ladder you you have to climb the ladder uh when my first corporate gigs were like 500 bucks back in the day uh but now i do gigs for anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars even more sometimes so yeah celebrities it, it's it's just again getting your getting your word out there getting your content out there hitting a million followers on social media certainly helps uh, and like I said, celebrity endorsements, things like that, that's all credibility that helps a client want to hire you. How do you learn the tricks? That's the thing that books and from other people, there's other magicians out there that release books, uh, that teach this stuff. And we all have a kind of a community that we share ideas. And then it's uh, for me anyway, I like to put my own spin. I, I, I take what that person wrote in a book and say, how would I do this? How can I change this to fit, to fit me? Uh, so that's an, a very important thing uh, when you're authentic, um, instead of just taking someone else's material and doing it note for note, you know. That that seems like such a, like people are so fascinated by it, but yet they never just read the book. Uh, you have to put in a lot of time to it. So it's kind of like nuclear physics. We're, we're all, fan, we all wonder how does the galaxy work, but do we buy all the books on it and read everything about deep space? You know, so it's a very that's similar a concept. It's all, it's all out there. But to put the time and energy into doing that is another thing. What makes you good at it? What well, makes you a good? Big difference between someone that just does cheap material, easy to figure out, goes on a magic website and buys some stupid little gimmick that does it for you, or someone that puts in the time, the hours to learn sleight of hand. So everything I'm doing is just a regular deck of cards and I'm moving my hands faster than you can see. And I'm fooling you in that way. But in order to do it that way, it takes years and years, decades to learn how to do that. So a good analogy is, do you want to go to the gym every day and eat clean for years? Or you just want to buy the T-shirt that has an ab six pack printed on it? People are obviously going to have more respect 
for the guy that put the time in to do that. And no one is going to go, wow, look at that T-shirt. Where'd you get that? that? You know what I mean? So online, people can see that when I'm doing these videos, if I say the casino wash can't be beat, it's impossible. That's why casinos use it, the casino shuffling procedure. And then I proceed to do the wash, do the same shuffle, and then show the deck in complete new deck order. There's no gimmick that does that. You, you can't buy that in a, at a store. You have to learn how to do that over decades uh, worth of practice, you know? So that's, that's the difference. And I think people recognize that in, when, they, when they watch the videos. You know, just because we're in it right now, we'll do some like tricks and stuff like that later. But when sleight of hand, is there something that you could show me real quick that's like, okay, this is a basic sleight of hand? Is this a quick demonstration of sleight of hand, a deck of cards? You can see that I'm shuffling. There's no doubt that these cards are changing position, correct? Right, right. And so that's what your eye sees, but I'm fooling your eye. That's all. Looks like I'm really shuffling. But you see, I can find an ace. Now, let me do that again. I'm not even looking at that. What the, the fuck? Yeah, I'll give the cards a cut, just like the way they do in Vegas. You can see that that's a real cut. Cards come up the top. Cards come up the bottom. There's a second ace. And again, too, people are going to say, oh, it's some sort of trick deck or something. No, you can buy my books and see that this is all done with sleight of hand. Uh, so I'll give the cards another cut. Let me finish. Because <laughs> there's a third one. Uh, there's only one more ace in the deck. So you know that this is the most difficult one of all. It's uh, going to be the most difficult, but I'll give the cards a cut because I do believe the last ace is right about there. So that's an example of sleight of hand. There's no other aces in the deck. That's an example of a sleight of hand. It looked like I was shuffling the cards. It looked like I was cutting the cards. But in reality, I was doing something behind the scenes. Another way to look at it is live special effects. Right? I'm doing special effects for you right in person. So in a movie... You see them, they 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 intrigue you, they're amazing. We saw Harrison Ford drive a truck and it blew up, right? Yeah. Uh, but what's really happening is some movie magic to make it look that way because Harrison Ford really didn't get into a truck and drive it into a gas tank and have it explode. But it certainly looks that way. So that's a, a decent analogy for, it looks like I shuffled the deck, it looks like I gave the cards a cut and it looks like I found those four aces. Do you have to, though, have for those kind of card tricks or sleight of hand tricks, right? Is there something that you need a physical characteristic, right? Like, I've got to be able to move my hands faster yeah, than anybody called, else. Yeah, it's called independence in fingers um, and a piano player. Same thing. When Anybody can play the piano. You just have to sit down and are willing to put in the time to learning finger exercises, scales, stay with it, the patience to continue to work at it. But uh, unless you um don't practice it's going to take a long much longer time to learn how to do that stuff but any student that sits down and practice it's like learning another language we all have that ability you just have to sit down and do it i know this is a big broad general question but in that sense like are most of the tricks that are being done are they super complicated or are they really just like it's a mix and i'll prove it at the end of our interview i'll show you something very okay simple. cool it yeah will yeah fool you. it will fool you i'm sure it will will fool you you'll be oh my god that's amazing and then i'll show you what happened and you're gonna go that's it so you can see but it's it's a, they're not all that way right? they're not all created equal just because a song is very good doesn't mean that it's complicated you can have very good songs that are still simple to play now is now does the job entail a lot of traveling a lot of like what kind of, oh, of what course. is what is it like on a 
not a day to day, but like on a on a basis as a job. Sure. So any good business plan means multiple sources of income. So I keep my social media accounts cooking. Card Magic by Jason is the handle for any of them. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok are my three big ones. So you have to make content to keep those things alive. Uh, and that gets you more work because people see that stuff. And in the videos, I'm saying you can hire me live. Uh, so that's a huge advertisement. These videos get millions. There's one of mine that has 36 million views or something. That is an advertisement to hire me for your an event that goes out to 36 million bucks. That cost me what? Zero. It's a free platform. So that's a constant source of advertising your event. I also have two books out. I have DVDs. I have downloads. I have all sorts of content for specifically for magicians. So you can, a teacher of mine told me years ago, if you can make, learn how to make money when you're sleeping, you'll be fine. So he's covered that for me there. So I can not do anything for a month and I still have income waiting for me. Uh, but the fun ones for me, I don't care about getting up in the morning and making videos here to, to that's not the living I want. I want to go out and perform for real people. So that's that's where I focus uh, my energy. And what will happen is a client will reach out to me and say, hey, we're doing XYZ event in in uh, the Bahamas was the last fun one that I did on some cruise. Uh, you can come down and do, can you, we'll fly you down. Can you do an hour's worth of material for our guests? I could forward that to my manager. My manager handles all the bookings, all the flights and all that. And next thing you know, I'm flying out of the country to do an event. And then that you just repeat that process. And that old school method I told you about at the beginning of word of mouth is still, that still works today. That's not like it doesn't work anymore. So those people know people that have parties and then you get another gig out of that. So my busiest season is October through like January or so. Uh, that's where most companies are having parties and things like that. So I will just be constantly flying around uh, and doing events during those are all private events during the summer months i like to do public shows we get a venue we go to a theater and we say i'm jason Danny. here's my social media let's do a show look at this following i'm going to pitch my show at your venue let's get him here and we do that and last year we did la and chicago we sold out shows for two months or that's about four months three and a half months uh about two months in chicago about two months in la and we sold out uh 80 tickets a night two shows a week. It was fantastic. For people who kind of try to make it and don't in the industry, where do they usually get bogged down? They are just not doing, uh, the, the, they are, I don't want to say copying, but they're not being authentic. They're just doing what other people do. And you need to find your own thing, your own personality and just do that. So if I just had a social media account of me just cutting to four aces every day in different ways to, to, uh, hip-hop lo-fi hip-hop track who, who cares you need to get out there and show people who you are and my whole thing is look at me i'm the best a right, pretty bold statement right but then i then i put content out there that proves it <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm gonna say i'm good because i know i'm good and that triggers people and they love it but if i were just to do that stupid thing i did with you where i cut to the aces by shuffling the deck okay yeah so you gotta wrap it up in a you know, in a good way, you got to find a way to to deliver that in a way that people like. And that's where people go wrong in this business. Copycat material and not moving the bar forward. I'm doing things that no one's ever done in, in card magic. 
just just kind of for my perspective, right? If you were to say when you look at either yourself or another person that's kind of on your level, in terms of original stuff that you're doing, how much of how much like what percentage of your show is that? I, I have this. The name of my second book is called Game Changer for a reason, because card magic has not moved in in like a hundred years. It's just people doing the same stuff, and magicians as a whole, 90%, 95% of magicians just keep doing the same thing. It's just this, this was invented 100 years ago, and I'm going to do it now. <laughs> and, and the opening line is, this is the oldest trick in magic. Oh, my God, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Move. Let's let's change it up. So I came into this industry and said, what's the new spin you can do? What is the new way to do this? And I've proved it in two books that are both, that they're actually the first book is going to be in its third printing soon, believe it or not. And the uh, second book is going to be in its second printing already. So that's why it's called Game Changer. This has been done a million years, but now let's up it and do it this way. now. And uh, so when I do a show, 90, 95% of it is, is my, is my ideas. What, why is cards so why are cards the most prevalent are they just the easiest to generally do sleight of Not hand so or? Much. no 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 for me i'm a card guy so uh, for me it's all i do in magic there's lots of fields there's lots of fields but there's an accessibility to cards i can go to cbs and buy this deck but i can't go to cbs and buy a box that cuts a woman in half you know so so the card magic and anyone with four dollars has access to becoming a card magician on, on the internet yeah um, are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Wait, are we allowed to swear? You can swear. Yeah, I just if it's <laughs> your the first question is why is this guy such a dick? <laughs> <laughs> because I just my character, I play a character. I I'm an actor, you know, so people think that I'm really this full of myself. And it's just like saying going finding Daniel Craig in a Whole Foods down in King. So he lives in like an hour from here. Imagine going into in a Whole Foods in Kingston and running into Daniel Craig and saying, you know, you killed that person in that movie. And you are a terrible person because he had a family, you know, like he's an actor, like, let it go. So when I'm up there saying, in case you're ever wondering, uh, you know, like, what's the point of me trying to be so humble when I'm so good at everything? That's a humorous line that I say that right. my character, yeah, right. But people, some people think that I'm, a person that just says, I am the best in the world and everyone else is trash. And that's all they see in my content, every single video. So there'll be some people that don't understand that and write in like, you can't say that you're the best in the world. You're not allowed to do that. And it's like they're policing the Internet. So that's why I was curious to see what kind of questions that you may have uh, got. One of them may have been around that. Like, Good, good. I, I love it. Right. Did you did you try out different personas first though before you uh, kind you of went? Material, yeah, if you look at my material uh, from ten years ago, very dry. I'm still doing strong card magic, but the the magic was most prevalent. Like that, that's my main focus. But the scripting around it was a little bit weaker. It was not not weaker, just not as comp, not as boasting my own ego and and things like that. A little bit, but not as much. And then once I realized the audience has really enjoyed that, I started to crank that up a little bit and have more fun. So in other words, the real me started to kind of come out where I just kind of say what I want. Um, and I also, uh, my mentor, Darwin Ortiz, when you're learning, it's okay to walk through the footsteps of your mentor. 
So I was doing things similar to him, but I grew out of his. Uh, so that's normal. If you're going to learn how to play piano, your piano teacher gives you Beethoven. You know, you're not copying Beethoven to be the next Beethoven. You're just playing a simple song that is already written for you. So I would do Darwin's material, Darwin's scripts and act similar to him. But I grew out of that within a, a couple of years because I wanted to be me. Well, I can on. see why that per that persona would work, right, though, because people would either accept it like, yeah, that's the best man or it would piss him off. And either well, way online, is good. Yeah. Online, people get pissed off and they have the right to do that. At my shows, people love it. They're, they're, they're paying to come see me so that there's no at a live show. I never have anyone that's like, you know, do it with the cards face up or bet you can't do this or, you know, it's like you're watching it live so you know it's real and people just accept when i say i'm the best in the world name any card you want i'll cut it out of the deck instantly and someone from the crowd says the queen of hearts and i cut it out instantly what are you gonna what are you gonna say you gonna like say, i did right i just proved what you wanted me to do so you can sit down now or, or someone in the middle of a trick will say let me shuffle now that's not an, a heckler that's someone asking a question so i say Sure. And they shuffle. And then I do the trick anyway. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? So that's that Pete, the audience loves that. And, and it all boils down to this. I know I'm good. I'm allowed to say that. And audiences love that when I do that stuff and then prove it. They just they just love that. Here's a guy that's devoted his life to it. He's good. And no one's going to get in his way. And there's something about that that people really enjoy. What do you think it is about magic that people are really just like have that visceral reaction? Well, because there's subtext there. The subtext is I know something that you don't. And there's this this word wonderment. How did you do that? How is that even possible? So if I put a card in your hand face down and then you name any card. And I say, look at it. And it is that card. There's. There's mystery. There's one like that's not possible. You're breaking the everyday rules. And that, that or no other art form has that. We can look at a painting and say, wow, that's amazing. We can go listen to an amazing band. That's amazing. But it doesn't have the same feeling of wonderment when you when you're just completely lost. And how is that possible? That's a unique experience that magic offers. Where would you say, like, is it more popular than it was? So is... every 10 years we do a a valley and a peak. It goes away. No one cares about it. And then David Copperfield brought it back. And then it disappeared. Just went away. Nobody cared anymore. And then David Blaine brought it back. Do you remember the ABC specials? Yeah. He brought it yeah. back. And then it disappeared again. And then America's Got Talent. People started, magicians started winning. And they won over and over and over again. So it's just back. It's just, it's just like anything else. Remember the big poker boom in 2008? Yeah. Hold yeah. Up. It was on TV. We were watching ESPN six hour shows of, of poker. You know, I had this big boom. And now it's just dissolved. But no one cares anymore. But it will. It So those things just kind of come and go. Where would you say in terms of the magic hierarchy? Right. And I don't even know what that means. But where is kind of sleight of hand card magic? You know, like I think of is it below cutting people in half in the box, above cutting? Well, these are just different genres, very different genres. You, you can say sports. Where is golf? Where is football? You know, it's hard to, it's apples and oranges. So um, in, in magic, there's stage illusion, right? That's the David Copperfield. That's the uh, Siegfried and Roy that's making lines appear, cutting women in half. I don't do any of that stuff. That's not my thing at all. There is parlor magic where you're standing on a stage and there's a hundred people and you or 50 people or whatever, and you perform things with silks and uh, doves and bird cages. You know, that's not my thing either. And then with their 
there's close-up magic. And that means that you're sitting right there. Like my perfect show is 20 people. You know, we're all just, I have a table and there's 20 people sitting around me. And that's close-up magic. And you could still do coins and cups and balls and things. But then a subset of that is card magic, close-up card magic. So now it's exclusively just cards. So there's all these different uh, uh, genres of magic. And I just happen to be in one of those. Uh, and it's difficult to rate which one's on top because they're all they're all different you know what i mean yeah that makes sense it's not kind of the situation of like hey i want to be the richest musician or the richest magician in the world and your mentor would say jason well you gotta do this yeah got- I mean, what's funny is other magicians will preach this is why i ended up doing what i'm doing other magicians will preach that you can't make it as a card magician in order to make money you need to do all sorts of variety of things i heard that one for decades decades but magicians love to put other magicians down. It's very big. You know, any niche will have that. Um, so I felt it was very rewarding to to shut them up and do what I do in just cards and having a following this big, hitting 1 million followers doing just card tricks. I mean, that's unheard of. So, but if you're good, you're good. How many decks of cards do you have? I have about 12,000 decks. That behind me is only about three... 2,500, 3,000 decks. Um, there is a particular brand of cards that is casino quality. They're perfectly made. They're the they're, they're same ones that you would find in a casino. So there's no, uh, the, the quality control is great. There's no bad edges or miscut cards and cards that uh, don't lie. The finish isn't messed up and all that. And there's one particular maker of those cards and they were made once and never to be made again. And I went and bought them all up because I want to make sure that I continue to use that brand that I'm comfortable with. Uh, bicycle rider backs. They're, they're these. Uh, they're just really well made. Um, and then some other companies are just poorly. They're just, they don't have the same quality control, uh, which means you can get a defective deck or things like that. So that's why I honed in on one brand and just bought them all up. Well, but will you run into situations where like, oh man, if it's an old deck or if it's not a well-made deck, can it throw? No, because I practice with those as well. So on that shelf is a variety of everything you're talking about behind me. Uh, uh, the, the very top is like collector decks. Under that is semi-used, new, but kind of used. Underneath that is moderately, like pretty worn in. And then underneath that is completely destroyed decks of cards. And I practice with all of those so that I'm never in a situation where somebody hands me an old deck and I say, oh, I can't perform with that. I've got experience practicing with older decks. But if you only did one type of deck, like I only work with brand new, if somebody gave you an old one, would that could that throw a magician off? No, 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 no. no. Well, most probably, but no, not because I just said I practice with old decks. I do my whole show with an old deck just to make sure that I can do it. I'm assuming this has happened, so I'll ask this question in this way. But last time somebody figured it out. I can tell you it was June of 2009 <laughs> was the last time somebody caught me red-handed. I was performing for two women at an event and I turned to this woman and I did something amazing. I made a card appear in her hand, you know, and I turned to this woman and started to do the second half of the trick. And in the middle of that, this woman over here said something I won't repeat because I I don't, I just won't repeat it. It's not that it could be bleeped out. She just said something sexual in nature. And it caught me off guard because it, she went over over the line quite a bit. And I just turned back to her in disbelief. I said, what? 
And the woman on my left reached up and said, what is this? <laughs> and she pulled the card right in my hand. So palming is a thing. You palm cards. Palming is a magic secret. You can secretly hide cards in your hand. And if you think about the design, I'm supposed to talk to this woman. And if I'm if I'm turned this way, nobody can see the thing. There's, there's nobody behind me. It's my body's here. So nobody can see this card. But because I turned back to address this woman, like, <laughs> oh, she wanna, gotcha. without a yeah, no hesitation, she reached in and said, What is this? And it was got great. It's I mean, I mean, what am I gonna do? Get mad? You know, it, we all laughed and it's hilarious. Uh, so that was the last time that I got really busted hard like there i have i got nothing but moving <laughs> forward people can say things i think you did it this way but that doesn't mean they're right that's just a myth that's just in their minds so i don't have to worry about shutting people down like when i put a deck back into order people always oh, switch decks well they can think that but the rest of the audience is smart enough to know that those cards never went out of you so it's it, it it's it's very difficult for the audience to say I figured that out because it's just a, it's a theory in their minds. That's all. Yeah. If you don't acknowledge it, right. It's kind of, well, like... the other thing too, is it's reliably, this is my favorite part. Reliably. When someone says that in the audience, the person sitting next to them or around them will always remind them of a condition that I had, had done. They'll say, Oh, well, you had those cards in order. You set those cards up. And the, the husband says that. And the wife says, but Bill, you shuffled them before you started. And then Bill will go, oh, whatever. He undid my shuffle. You know, like, so I, what I told you about with the avenues, I'm putting things in place that will ultimately prove this is impossible. That's my job. That's what I do. So when you try to reconstruct it, I've already taken care of all of that. And that's why you won't be able to figure it out. Last time somebody thought you were really doing magic. Like supernatural uh, there's, there's powers, few, man. There's been a few, depending on how much alcohol they've had in them, I've had a few people that just are saucer-eyed after the trick and put the cards down and say, I'm not into, I don't want to watch whatever the hell you do. I don't understand it. And they walk away. That to me, that is just great. Man, never had somebody like the devil, get the devil out. Oh my right? God. I have a YouTube comment. One of my favorite YouTube comments. Yeah. Clearly you've sold your soul to be able to do the things that you've done. And I have pity on you and I will pray for you and all this. And it's like, and the comments like this long. So any, they're going to pray at their church for me and all that, because obviously I've, I've, I've done in some sort of dark deal with the devil and because no one should be able to possess these kinds of skills. I mean, or it could be practice. <laughs> What's your personal favorite trick? Uh, that changes. So it's kind of like, what's your favorite song or what's your favorite movie? Impossible to to answer that because there's so many. I probably know two, three hundred tricks total. Um, it's about the tricks that get the best reactions. That's how I judge my tricks. I may love it for a particular reason because it has a move in it or because it has a concept or because it has rewarding sleight of hand. To be able to pull something off in front of a person and get away with it, it feels like a heist. Like you robbed the bank, you got away with it. It's very rewarding feeling. Um, however, how I grade tricks is the reactions when people just flip out. And when I perform, I'm constantly bringing in new material and getting rid of old material or bringing back old material, like things I used to do 10 years ago, bringing them back because I like those reactions. So, um, I have plenty of performances on YouTube. Uh, the, my magic castle set is on YouTube where you can watch a full uncut. It's all one take. 
uh, a full set, 20 minutes where you can watch me do tricks there. And the very last one in that Magic Castle set. So if you search YouTube search Ladani Magic Castle, you'll find it. And uh, that last trick is just so much fun to do and gets great reactions. And Ladani is L-A-D-A-N-Y-E for anybody yes, who's is. just listening to the, the audio version of it. Um, What's the easiest trick to do? What's the hardest trick? Um, so the easiest trick I'll show you at the end uh, when we get into the demo. So I'll show you something very easy that's effective. And then, uh, like I said, if you want to know the hardest, that YouTube clip of the Magic Castle, that the last 10 minutes there are easily the, the most difficult trick that I've got to do. How much will you generally have to practice a trick? Like how many hours would you say that you put into it? This before is going to sound ready? terrifying, but there are tricks that I have practiced for literally three, four years before actually doing them in front of people. Um, it's just, I, I can't mess up. My character doesn't allow for me to make mistakes, which means that it has to be, it has to be perfect before it comes out in front of people. Um, so I typically practice two, four, six hours a day, sometimes more, um, I take some days off from time to time, but it's a full-time job. I sit there and go over old tricks, moves. Uh, I'm constantly putting things online, uh, content, which means that I have to practice for that stuff as well. And then also I can watch my own content and see what do I need to improve? Like I didn't, I could have done that better or things like that. So I'm always fine-tuning that stuff. Uh, so that's for the last 35 years, it's been four to six hours a day. Last question before we kind of get into some demonstrations. If some, what would advice would you give to the next you? Um, you mean miss things that I've kind of didn't get right, that kind of thing. Things that like advice that somebody who wants to kind of get into the business, like it, if mentor. Um, don't the don't you don't have to share your ideas with everybody. I have a very tight circle of people that I share those secrets with that learn that I, so all the things that I'm doing on TikTok that are fooling people, there's five people that know how that stuff's done. And earlier back in even 2015, 2017, in that neck of the woods, I was sharing some of that material with outside people. I do a magic convention or something and share some of those ideas. And those ideas just ended up on their YouTube channels or their social media accounts without credit, that kind of stuff. So you don't have to, this is a classic thing. If, if I invent the new car that runs on water. I don't have to go out and tell everybody <laughs> and then bitch 10 years later that now everyone's driving a car that runs on water. You know, it's, it's not, I think it's my ego almost that got, that made that, that made that happen. So uh, that's what I would say. Once you start creating your own content, your own concepts, and your own things, just keep it to yourself. But can you figure out any other magician's tricks? Like, can you look at it and be like, oh, that's most, how they're doing most of the time? Yeah, I can. Uh, there's only a handful of people that can fool me. And their names are Mike Vincent, Tony Cabral, Andrew Wimhurst, Jack Carpenter, Darwin Ortiz. Uh, those guys will constantly fool me. And I love it. That's my inner circle. Those are the guys that I share all my ideas with. Is there somebody that you would say that? That, that magicians as a whole, right? You know, the LeBron, Michael Jordan conversation that would say, that's the best. Well, me, obviously. <laughs> Besides yourself, somebody that people would look at and be like, you know, they uh, there are a few names in our industry. Mario Lopez and uh, Danny Diortis, uh, fantastic, fantastic performers that are constantly wrecking everybody's brains. And me included. Sometimes I see things that those guys do and I'm just like, 
I, I don't know how what he's doing. I want to thank Jason so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And we have also included his information in the episode description. If you are listening to this episode when it comes out, we are going to be putting up on YouTube on February 2nd a bunch of demonstrations that he goes over with us. In one, he's going to show you a trick that just was absolutely amazing to me. And then he also shares some inside secrets about how these tricks are done. The demonstrations are just, it's its such a simple thing, but yet you just don't notice it. That will be up on our YouTube channel on February 2nd. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. How do you feel about talking about the weather? Because I've noticed that in the last couple of months, I've noticed myself getting older and I've noticed a large portion of my conversations with people tend to be about the weather. I wouldn't say that it's a conversation more so now than for me more than I just it's more of my everyday life. I check the the radar before I go to bed. I get up, I check it. I check like if I have an event coming up or if I want to do something with the kids. I check the weather, the forecast. But is this like a horrifying sign that we're getting much older, that a significant portion of our day now revolves around either talking about or checking the weather? Are we becoming old men and this is how it starts? Okay, well, okay, I, I need some backstory here. So five years ago, Say you bring up weather five times a day now. How many times were you doing that five years ago? Probably zero. I don't think at all. Now I'm finding myself talking about it at some point in almost every conversation that I have, and it's a little bit scary to me. Like, I can't be aging this quickly. But, like, what aspect of weather? The temperature? If it's going if if to rain or snow? Or just everything? Kind of just everything. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting old then but I don't check the weather unless it's like really specific. Of course you like don't. Unless I'm going to do something. I live in Seattle, right? It's pretty consistent. It's cold and you're just probably going to rain at some point during the day. So bring a rain jacket and you should be good to go. I mean, it's not like it's going to be 31 day and 65 the next. It might be 31 day and 30. See, we're talking about the weather again. Like I could go on and on <laughs> about the weather. I was just thinking that about how we were just we just spent three minutes talking about the weather after we said we weren't going to talk about the weather. 
this is just like I feel like it's an irreversible slide towards middle age that I'm experiencing right now, and I don't know how to feel about it. Well, you are what forty four. Uh, first of all, check your tone. Take about ten years off of that. I I mean, once again, I I think talking about the weather just proves that you're an informed person, and that's fine. That doesn't mean you're old. It means you're mature. I think it's kind of a sign that the biggest thing that's happening in your life is the changes of the weather. And that's really the main thing affecting you on a daily basis. Like you just don't want to be cold or hot because you're getting old and you can't handle basic life changes anymore. Yeah. Do you want to have a chat? Do you want to tell us how you really feel about turning 40? Uh, It's a little bit scary. Apparently there's an old saying that a man lives two lives. Once... His, wait, I don't remember. One begins at birth and the other when he figures out that he's going to die, which is like the sign of midlife crisis. Is me talking about the weather the early start of a midlife crisis? I'm going to guess if you've been doing this for a couple of weeks, you're probably deep into one already. Great. Time to get me a convertible, start cheating on my wife. (laughs) You know, I don't understand midlife crises. Like, are they really real? Yeah, I think that they are a big deal for people. I think so. Because you start to realize that, wait a minute, your life is kind of half over in a sense. And it's very difficult about like, wait a minute, the whole first half of your life is kind of figuring out who you are. And then I think the midlife crisis sets in and you're like, wait a minute, is this all I'm going to be or what am I going to be with my life? You're just kind of getting everything organized and trying to basically get your life together. And then you've got to figure out, well, what do I really want to do? And I think that that's a big question. And you're also faced at the same time while you're trying to figure out what you want to do and who you want to be, if you can even do anything about it because your youth is gone. Well. So you start talking about the weather. I I kind of spaced out there, but yes, the weather. Okay. I mean, I know that all you're focused on is your big thing. What do you want to do first? Do you want to do candle of the month or do you want to do your wrestling review? Well, I mean, I can do either. Or do you want to do shout outs? Yeah, I thought, I mean, shout outs. have a lot of responsibilities. All right. Shout out uh, questions, wrestling review, which I'm surprised. I have a feeling you're going to set me up for failure with that one, but, and then we'll do uh, candle of the month. All right. So here's some shout-outs. Uh, let's see. Lori Cecil, Cole Logan, Charles Court, Jenny Schaefer, Mai Hill. I'm sure I butchered that first name, and I apologize for that. Uh, Sarah Cardiff, Frankie Ann Castania, Sammy Bag, Ken Heiser, and Quisha Redrick. So is it key? Right. Are you sure it's Quisha or not Keisha? I'm not sure. What does it start with, a K or a Q? It's Q-U-I. It's probably still just Keisha. I I bet it's still Keisha. It's just spelled differently. Like you. Nyike. Nick. Nyike. Do you know my name actually has an H in it? N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S. Nicholas. I didn't know you were Nicholas. Yeah. There's no straight Nicks. I don't know if I've ever met somebody that was a straight Nick. Hmm. 
Very rare. Most of them are true Nicholases and it's shortened down. Which for people who don't know, if you have a name like that, if you have like a shortened version of it, like if it's Robert and you go by Rob or if it's Nicholas and you go by Nick, creates a lot of problems when basically putting in passwords and signing up for things. Like you never know what name you should put. Like are they going to understand that Nick is Nicholas? Like somebody going to look at my name, Nicholas Vinzant, and be like, who the fuck is Nick Vinzant? Yeah, Do you think people get confused by that? Uh, no. I think you're the only one that gets confused by that, Nicholas. I got a couple of uh, bangers for you. Let's do a wrestling review. But, so this is a new segment that we, I think we've done this once before, but I'm going to go ahead and make this a recurring thing because John loves wrestling. But we need a very short wrestling review of the latest, what was it, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, which one just happened? It was the uh, Royal Rumble. Okay, okay. Um, did you watch it by yourself, or did you have friends over? I had friends over. Uh, actually, a little soft opening for my basement, which I'm recording in. Man, who? which one of us sounds older? You talking about your basement, or me talking about the weather? Probably you about the weather, I would think. I don't know. The weather at least has some commonality, but when you're talking about basement, like, how quickly do you bring up your basement re- renovation in conversation? Are you going to bring up that before the weather, or are you bringing up your basement renovation? Ooh. I Probably my basement renovation on most days, unless there's a significant weather event happening. But I'll say my basement renovation probably first. How many times a day do you talk about it? I mean, probably two to three. Different people or the same people? Always different people. Man, you, you bring know. up your basement renovation too. This is what, for people who are listening to this, if you don't own a house, which is very difficult to do these days, once you do, you basically just talk about the house. Oh, the only things you have in life to talk about over the age of 40 are your kids, your house, and the weather. I mean, that's a pretty good trifecta right there. I, I can't really add anything to that. You really lose the ability to have conversations with people younger than you. I am learning that. Like as I get older, especially coworkers, like if the, if if they're in their twenties, I find it very hard to have any kind of resemblance of a conversation with them. You just don't really have anything in common, I don't think, with people ten years younger or older than you. Well, older you can always kind of ask for some life advice, but it's hard to talk to people who are ten years younger than you. They're just in a different place, right? In your different times. Like, I, I, I think I'm the youngest person out of my good friends group. I have friends who are 50, 49, 47, but I don't have any good friends uh, under the age of 35. I'm, I would say most of my friends are within two to three years. Okay, so are you ready for your re- wrestling review? Which I would like, it needs to be 30 seconds or less. And done in the voice of either Macho Man Randy Savage or the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. See, I knew there was going to be a catch. Why can't I oh, just I'm... have 30 seconds to, to say my review? Because for people who aren't into wrestling, like, why can't you just do it in Macho Man Randy Savage? Why can't you just do it a wrestling take of Macho Man? Because we talked, to, we, we did this uh, a few weeks ago. Then you, I'm should, a be, terrible... then you should be ready for it. I'm a terror. No, we didn't talk about this. We talked about, you know, doing impersonations and animal sounds. I'm a terrible 
reconstructor of of voices and animals. Oh, fine. Just okay. Can you do it in thirty seconds or less? Your wrestling review, and then give it how many it it's. So there's a famous thing in wrestling where this guy goes, "It's real to me, damn it." How many out of scale of five? How many? It's real to me, damn it. Will you give? What was it again? The Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble. Look, if this is your thing, man, I don't understand why you're embarrassed about it. I'm not embarrassed, but I just, you know, you, you couldn't just say, hey, give me your thoughts on the Royal Rumble. There's all these parameters. And now you want us to get sued by the it's still real to me, damn it guy, by me copy infringing his catchphrase. You can't say that? I can. I mean, we're not making money off of it, but you know he's copyrighted right. the shit out of that. I'm sure he has. If he, well, I don't know if you can copyright a phrase, but maybe you can. Okay, can we just have your wrestling review of the Royal Rumble? Thank you. Uh, it was good. It did what it needed to do. Uh, the men's Royal Rumble was predictable. Cody Rhodes won. The women's Royal Rumble uh, was good. Rhea Ripley, check her out if you haven't. She is uh, the next big thing in women's wrestling. She won the the women's obviously. Roman Reigns and uh, Kevin Owens had a decent match, but the end of it is what matters. Now we move on to the Elimination Chamber in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, where Sami Zayn will fight Roman Reigns in Sami's hometown. I give it uh, three and a half. It's still real to me, damn it, out of five. Okay, that was actually a really good, like, all right. You actually, like, watched and paid attention. Yeah, I mean, that, that and Formula One, I could tell you inside and out everything about both of those things. Okay. Well, Formula One for the next couple of weeks at least. All right, let's 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 move on. Thank you for your wrestling review. Can you do it? Okay, can you try to do it in Macho Man Randy Savage? See what I'm saying? I mean, uh Ooh yeah. I'm gonna take Miss Elizabeth uh, down to the beach. Uh. See, it's it's just it's not very good. It's Yeah, you kinda ran out of steam. You didn't know what to do really. I didn't because I, I don't know. Like, I want to go into Triple H mode there. Like, oh. it's me. Uh, I'm the game. Yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage. That's the only thing there. There's not a lot of wrestlers that have like good gimmicks now. I mean, I'm pretty sure, as one one of my friends kind of said Saturday night, is that uh, all the men literally look the same. They're greasy, long haired, you know, men. Um, who are buff. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I think there's a lack of individuality that's happening now. If you look across things, all the TV shows are kind of the same. All the movies are kind of the same. All the celebrities that you see are kind of the same. I feel like we're pivoting in a time where people could be so different and there's so many different options that we're pivoting away from that and everybody is kind of becoming the same thing. Well, parody makes money, right? I mean, Disney is the the king or queen, whatever you want to say, of parody and redoing things uh, from the past to make money. Okay. All right. Let's move on to your, what do you call them? A couple of bangers for you. All right. Um, what is more out of style at this very exact moment? Long socks or whitey tighties? I don't know if whitey tidies have ever been in style. 
So long stocks may be going out of style, but I don't think that whitey tidies was ever something that people looked at, which I rocked whitey tidies up until probably two or three years ago. I wore whitey tidies and I was remember, completely okay with it. I don't recall how I saw your underwear or if you had any clothes on except your underwear, but I remember vividly the first time I saw that you had on whitey tidies and i my first initial thought was this motherfucker is wearing whitey tidies holy shit is that probably the dorkiest thing that you can possibly do now is have on whitey tidies i mean if you can rock them out i mean briefs are fine but let's be honest how many pairs do you have to throw away because you might have spilled some dirt in them you know what i mean none I didn't well, have that problem. Yeah, I learned no. how to wipe, and I didn't have terrible eating habits at that point. So I've never had to really had any difficult in that regard. But I got to tell you, I, you want to hear a you want to hear a self defacing story about John Shull's past with whitey tidies? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. But I also don't want to hear you refer to yourself in the third person. Well, John Shull's going to tell you this story, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, it was fifth or sixth grade. I was at a uh, summer school party. Like one of the teachers had had invited like their class over to their pool for the little kids. to So go not swimming. like summer school. Like you were one of the kids that wasn't doing well, so you had to go to summer school. No, no. It was like it was like one of the last uh, year year events before you went on mm, summer break. Okay, okay. okay. And you know, I I remember this because it was traumatizing. Uh, I was in the bathroom and I was changing into my swim trunks because for some reason I wore my my actual clothes there instead of swim trunks. And uh, I had on whitey tighties at the time. Well, took them off, obviously, put on my bathing suit. I go out to go swimming. Uh, I forget her name. I think it was Sierra something. Comes running out of the house with a pair of whitey tighties that had streaks down the back of them. And she said, who shit their pants? Whose whitey tidies are these? I never claimed those whitey tidies. And uh, I never admitted that they were mine either. What? This was a teacher? No, this was a student. But I remember the teacher going up to the student and being like, we need to throw those away. Those are disgusting. And just being, so I just remember like like dipping in the water and not wanting to, to come back <laughs> Just trying to go underwater for as long as you possibly could. Yeah. Man, the kid ran out with the whitey tighties in hand. I would never touch someone else's underwear. I won't even touch my wife's underwear. Oh, well, it's amazing you have a couple of kids then. What happened? How did she never, you know, never. Well, I mean, like if it's being washed, I mean, I'll touch the underwear for those reasons. But if it's like the wash or something like that, like I'm not touching that stuff. Oh, see, I have no, I have no problem. I've always thought it was strange that you and your wife put your laundry in the same loads. Don't you guys I do mean, your laundry together? We do. I've always thought that was odd. I mean, I have, I have basic clothes. I have, you know, she has, she wears the same outfit every day to work. I mean, it's not, it's not like we're, we're separating reds from, you know, light colors and blah, blah, blah. I don't pay any attention to that stuff at all. I don't separate the colors. I just throw everything in there. I think that's a myth that the laundry people wanted you to believe to buy more detergent. Think about how more efficient you could be if you and your wife just threw all your clothes in at once. Mm, no. 
I don't wash my clothing with other people's clothing. I want my clothing to be clean. I don't know where other people's clothing has been. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. What's what's the better party food? A party sub, party pizza, or party nachos? Party nachos is the ultimate, I think, in party foods. But if we're talking about this day and age, I think that party pizza is now probably the best because you can kind of split that up the easiest without having to kind of mess with everybody else's stuff, right? Like nachos, you're probably getting somebody else's nachos. People are double dipping. You don't know what's going on there. Party sub, that's just a waste of time. I don't want to go to a party and have a sandwich. People who buy party subs and bring sandwiches to parties, get out of here. Like, do better with what you're doing. Party sub is ridiculous and lazy, in my opinion. So it's either pizza or nachos for me. First off, I fought, bought a five-foot-long party sub for Saturday. And how much of it was gone? Four foot. Would you, are you going to put down that last foot by yourself? Are you going to take that last foot all in your mouth? You take that whole 12 inches of meat? It's actually what you asked me. I just bought an air fryer. You got that, an air fry a sub? That thing is fucking amazing. It is everything that it was marketed to be. Yeah, they're pretty great. They're pretty good. Is yours loud, though? I had mine was, like, really loud. Not really. No, it's... Like, oh, so... How'd you get the sub home? Because uh, I had the party in my... Oh, um, just put it in between... Uh, the. One of our cars is an SUV, and we just put it in the council, you know, in the middle there and stretched it out to the back. Did you have to think about how you were going to do this beforehand? No. Like how I, well I got... do you think that you handled the putting of the five-foot-long sub into the car? Fantastic. I didn't do it. My wife went and got it. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, all right. You ready to uh, see what the masses picked for us to talk about today? No, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, let's see. So there are obviously four choices, always on Twitter around uh, midday Monday that you can check out. Let's see. Uh, uh, midday which time? Are we talking Eastern time? Are we talking Pacific time? Are we oh. talking Central? Are we talking Mountain? Ooh, that's uh, uh, midday Eastern time. So late morning Pacific, just afternoon Mountain. Uh, what other? Okay. Central. I don't yeah, know. Whatever. Uh, all right. So let's see. The choices were... Uh, Super Bowl 57, as we know, uh, it's going to be Kansas City in Philadelphia. It's going to be a real banger. Probably not. Uh, let's see. The other choice that didn't win was, uh, have you heard of a famous YouTuber named Mr. Beast? Yeah, I think I think he's one of the fa- few like YouTubers that a lot of people actually know. Well, he's he, pretty uh, famous. He donated uh, enough money. For a thousand blind people to get cataract surgery, so that they could see in you know some way, shape, or form uh, again. So he he donated all this money so a thousand people could uh, you know maybe not fully, but at least they'd have some kind of eyesight as to where they didn't have any before. So that was that was really nice by him. Yeah, you know I think there's two ways to look at that. One, that's a really nice gesture by him. Two, we live in a society in which the reason that you can't see is because you can't pay for your cataract surgery. Uh, and the one that <laughs> the choice that won, uh, the headline is I sent my grandma a desk from Amazon, but she got a sex toy instead. God. 
Uh, paraphrasing this article, uh, apparently there's a TikToker uh, that claims that Amazon accidentally sent her a sex toy instead of a desk that her husband had ordered for her grandmother. Um, so two questions come to mind immediately. One, have you ever had something uh, that you ordered from any site, doesn't necessarily have to be Amazon, uh, show up and it'd be completely wrong? No. Surprisingly, I have not. Wow. The supply chain okay. and logistics is a fascinating thing, right? Like if you think of what the chances are that you actually get the mail, it's incredible. Like that's incredible that you can actually send and receive mail. People screw up everything, but the mail is very reliable. <laughs> Don't ever disrespect the United States Postal Service in front of me. Those people do a lot of hard work and don't get any credit for the fact that most of that shit shows up at your house. They do really well. Think about how unorganized everything is. But if you send a letter, it more than likely gets there. This is my whole rant. We should just we should just keep going. What was the sex toy? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, um, it's 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 nothing really that I've. Uh, let me see here. I don't even know. Oh, it's um, nothing that I've heard of. Okay. I, I I'm trying to find. Did you have fun at Catholic here. school? It's called the uh, Touch of Happiness Mini Massage Erotica Machine. Does it look like a nice one? Like, did they accidentally send at least a good one? Or did they send, like, Bob's four-pound dildo or something? I mean, it. no, it, it actually looks like a little flower uh, with, like, a, a stem coming God, out of the top of it. that's disgusting. I don't even want to think about that. I, I mean, you asked me. Um, but I don't, now that I think about that, like, what's Gam Gam doing? I don't think that anyone wants to think about people over the age of 45 or 50 having sex in any way. <laughs> I don't think people want to think about most people at any age having sex. It's really incredible, like, when you look at people in general. Like, think of how stupid men look naked. Like, men <laughs> look ridiculous. That's what I don't understand about people who send, like, men who send pics of their area. Like, why would you do that? That thing looks ridiculous. Nobody would ever be like, yeah, that looks good. Look at that big old honker. Well, I mean, but there are, obviously, because it happens. There's a lot of egotistical people out there. Yeah, but if you saw, okay, if you got a message, if you got one of those pictures, would, however big it looked in the picture, would you believe that that's actually the size of it? Like, wouldn't you just assume that they manipulated the image to make it look bigger? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I probably, if I actually got a text of someone's dick on my phone, I probably wouldn't open it or I probably wouldn't zoom in on it. Mm. I can tell you if I was sending like you a photo of my downstairs, I would manipulate the shit out of that. Right. So that's, I wouldn't even believe it. Like if right now I was like, John, send me a picture of your junk. No matter what you sent me, I wouldn't believe that that was the real thing. So I don't believe people who send it. I also couldn't tell mine. If somebody like, I would not be able to distinguish <laughs> mine from anyone else's. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think I could discern mine, but you know. I don't know. I think if I had a lineup of five, and I had to choose like which one's mine. I think I would get it wrong a couple of times, right? Okay, if I'm looking at five, I would say there's a sixty percent chance I would get it right. <laughs> I don't even know. I I, I don't want to continue this conversation anymore. To be honest with you, okay. Before you want to do your candle a... of the month? Yeah, let's you ready? go. 
Okay, let's just hear your intro. Whoosh. It's time for the outlaw candle connoisseur to ride again. John Shaw, candle of the month. Whoosh. Well, that was a very nice intro. Thank you for that. Uh, all right, so the candle for February. Uh, most of us in this country, United States, of course, I know we have a lot of international listeners, uh, at least in the northern hemispheres here. Uh, it is obviously winter time. So comes to mind, what do you want when you're looking for a good winter candle, right? You want something, something that's crisp. Be, yeah, right? You crisp. want something crisp. You want something that's going to be cozy. You want something that's going to be just just maybe make you, make you feel a little happy. Like you want to smell something that's going to, you know, make you happy while you're stuck inside when it's 10 degrees outside. So February candle of the month. Head on over to DW Home. Dot com and check out the candle titled Which Snow Day. You ask, what is Snow Day? I'll tell you. Oh, I thought you said No Day. No, Snow Day. Oh, okay. All right. That makes and, more sense. Uh, I thought it was called the No Day. I was like, oh, okay. No. Uh, it comes in uh, two kinds, a medium single wick or a large double wick and uh, the fragrance profile. Uh, it's a peppermint snow and fresh evergreen trees complemented by, like you said, something crisp, uh, winter citrus with leafy mistletoe and frosted uh, frosted aldehydes to give it like that really on-edge smell. It's fantastic. It's great. It burns for 33 to 50 hours. Tell you what, you like that bad boy? You better hope your loved one's not near because it's going to be going down. Is 33 to 50 hours a good candle time burn? Like, what's yeah, the longest for... you've ever had a candle burn for? Ooh, well, I mean, you got to remember that I, I've had candles that have, you know, that have been triple the size of a normal candle. I mean, I, I've, I've had a candle where I've lit it maybe, say, on like a Wednesday, and it's still burning that following Monday, and it still has hours to go. That doesn't really sound like that long, but... You leave them burning all the time. I do. Right? I, I mean, burn, baby, burn. How do you not have, like, the smell from candles has to be in your walls. I feel like, you know how you walk into, like, an ex-smoker's house or somebody, like, <laughs> you can walk in there and it's like, ooh, they, there must have been somebody who smoked inside the house in this house. I feel like your house is going to be like that for candles. Like, that's those scents have to be in your walls, right? I mean, I don't think so. And if they are, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'd rather have my house smelling like a, a citrus fruit than tobacco products. You're going to let a candle just sit there and burn for five days straight in your house? Yeah, I mean, obviously you, you blow it out at night. But, I mean, for the for the five or six hours that you're asleep, we won't count those. But, yeah, I mean... When I get up to the time that I go to bed, usually there's a candle burning, not only in my heart, but also in my house. Well, thank you for that. It's always good to have the candle of the month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you ready for a top five? I I am. Um, I am. Okay. So our top five is top five Jennifers. I feel the top five Jennifer list was a little bit difficult only because I think there's a solid top three 
that you could argue for kind of any order of those top three. And then there's a whole bunch that could take up like four through 10. And it's difficult to decide four and five. It's the one through three, I think is fairly obvious. And then, but difficult to place. And then deciding who's in the four and five spot is hard too. So there's not much distinguishing the difference between a lot of Jennifer's. But anyway, what's your number five? See, I found that there's probably four, four, four that you could put between one and four and mix them up and it wouldn't matter. But in saying that, uh, my number five is Jenny McCarthy. I wouldn't even put her in the top ten. I think, see, I had a feeling you might give a little pushback on that. Let's not forget that in the mid-90s, I mean, she was like, she was the pinup girl. You could make an argument that she was, at that time, the number one Jennifer in the world. But since then, I think she has fallen way off. But, she, I mean, she's on a couple of TV shows. I think she's still on The Masked Singer on Fox, which is which is global to a certain extent. She's married to a Wahlberg. Um, Again, reason both of those you are using as reasons to bring her up, and I would argue both of those are reasons to bring her down. I mean, maybe... Right? May, like maybe. the most famous Jennifer in the world is married to Donnie Wahlberg? Come on now. I, I just, I mean, I, I just think that... I think Playboy alone in the 90s was enough to put her on the global map. I, If I was going to assign her a space, I would give her like 22nd. <laughs> I'm surprised by Jennifer McCarthy. And she's generally more of a Jenny than she is a Jennifer which I also always think she brings brings you down slightly on the list. Kind of like how I don't think of Mike Tyson as a Michael. I, I don't think of you as a Nicholas. Right. Like, I don't think I would be on a list of Nicholases or a list of Nicks. It's not a lot of Nicks, honestly. Um, my number five is Jennifer Hudson. <laughs> All right. She's my number she four. She was pretty famous. Jennifer Hudson's your number four? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's too high, though, for her. I feel like four is too high for Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't really want to put her at all on the list, but the last decade or so, I think it's it's really hard to find uh, a music artist, especially an African-American female music artist, that is bigger globally than than she has been. And I, I, I know I may sound ignorant on that, but I... In thinking of it earlier, I can't. I mean, I can't really think of one. Um, and, and when I say one, I mean an African American woman, woman that's at least the last decade that's more globally known. I mean, she's done Super Bowls, she's commercials, movies. I think she's one of the only EGOT winners of all time, which is like the the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Like she's known across all those platforms. Very hard to not put her. Uh, at least in the top five, but obviously I put her at number four. I could see that argument. She is incredibly, yeah. This would be my. I'll, I'll get into this later, but there's a reason that my the the Jennifer that I picked for number one. There's one reason why I put her there above all other Jennifers, and I'll get into that later. But I think the same applies with both the person that I put at number five, Jennifer Hudson. My number four is Jennifer Conley. Okay, so I mean. Let's be honest. There's probably a half dozen Jennifers that are actors or actresses rather that could go in the top four. And I'm surprised yeah. out of all of them, 
you picked Connolly, but what, what's your what's your reasoning for that? I think that Jennifer Connolly, I agree with you, right? Like in that four range, there's a number of different acting Jennifers that you could put in there. Like I could see at number four, Jennifer Connolly, Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jennifer Beale. All of those I think could be interchangeable at the four position. But ultimately I think that of them, Jennifer Connelly, maybe not now, but was was probably the biggest star of those other ones. Like she has always been in bigger and better movies than like Jennifer Garner or Jennifer Love Hewitt or any of the other Jennifers that are in that uh, kind of not tier know. one Jennifer, but high tier two Jennifer. I just think of Jennifer Connelly and I think of Rocketeer. So that should tell you something. Uh, I think of A Beautiful Mind, one of the Hulk movies, Requiem for a Dream. She was in a good number of... She was in some big movies. I think think she's got something new. But anyway, I could interchange her with basically any of the other kind of second-tier Jennifers, Jennifer Garner, Jennifer B. I said it already. What's your number three? This is where I think that we get into it. Like, ooh, who's going to be... Any one of these three for me, I think, could make an argument for the top spot. You know, in looking at my list again, I think it's really only between two Jennifers for me. But uh, in saying that, my number three Jennifer is Jennifer Lawrence. Mm, okay. My number three is also Jennifer Lawrence. I think that's where she I'm, goes. And I don't... I found it really hard to put her and Jennifer Hudson on the same list just because they're both a lot younger. Um, but I mean, what they both have done with their careers up to this point has been, it's been great. It's been monumental. So I think Jennifer Lawrence might be a little bit of a passing fad. I think that she's going to fade away. Maybe she'll make a comeback in her fifties, but I think that she's going to kind of disappear. But I mean, but what she did, you know, for a decade and a half, I mean, let's not forget she, she, she not only was mystique, right. And then she was, uh, Katniss Everdeen, but then she did that movie with Bradley Cooper that won all the the awards for her. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. I know she's done way more. Um, she was in a lot of movies at one point. She was kind of in every movie for a little bit. <laughs> it felt like it, right? Yeah. Okay. This is my number three. Like I said, Jennifer Lawrence. Who's your number two? Uh, I have Jennifer Aniston. Hmm. Okay, ours are going to be reversed then. <laughs> I have Jennifer Lopez at number two, and my number one is Jennifer Aniston because I think that of all the Jennifers that we've talked about, Jennifers are going downhill at the moment. I think a lot of Jennifers, their careers are starting to kind of dwindle. Jennifer Aniston, you can't say that about. Jennifer Aniston is one of the Jennifers, one of the, I think the only Jennifer right now whose career is on a flat towards an upward track. All the other Jennifers are going downhill. Hmm. I I don't agree with that. Um, I think Jennifer Aniston is, only has stayed relevant because of her love life and her relationships with Brad Pitt. Um, as where I think Jennifer Lopez, and I'm not saying that Jennifer Aniston isn't globally known. Um, obviously she is. But I feel like just in terms of what our one and twos bring to the table. Uh, Jennifer Lopez by far is just, 
just has done more for all her respective media than what Jennifer Aniston has done. And that doesn't mean, I mean, we know JLo, right? I mean, she's been with several high profile men. So I'm not saying, I'm not like picking out Jennifer Aniston for that, but I feel like, you know, if Jennifer Aniston wasn't in a movie, what was she in the headlines for? Oh, her and Brad, uh, you know, this, this and that again. I feel like JLo has always been attached to something other than, oh, she's with A-Rod or she's, you know, her and, Enrique Iglesias or Mark Anthony or whoever she was married to back in the day. I can see that argument. Jennifer Aniston, I would make an argument that is the more famous of them. I think that more people might know who Jennifer Aniston is than Jennifer Lopez. But Jennifer Lopez has done more with her career, I would say. Whereas Jennifer Aniston is generally famous for being Jennifer Aniston. You know what, what I was surprised by? There's not any other famous Jennifer. All famous Jennifers are basically in movies. There's no – any other time we've done the name thing, you've had people from like sports or politicians or – not politicians, but from other avenues. In Jennifer's, it's almost exclusively movies. I couldn't find any other famous Jennifer's that I had heard of that were doing anything other than movies. Yeah, it was very hard to find either uh, anyone other than musicians or actresses. Absolutely. Who's in your honorable mention of Jennifer's? So this is kind of a biased list, and I don't expect you to agree with this. That's fine. Uh, so let's see. So I have Jennifer Love Hewitt, which you kind of already mentioned earlier. Uh, Jennifer Tilly. I think she's very mm. underappreciated. I don't know on a global scale if she deserves to be in the top five, but that's why I put her on the honorable mention. I, th I think that she's somebody that people, if you saw her, you would know who she is, but you probably don't know her name. Yeah, I would, ag I would agree with that. That's, that's fair. Um, Let's see. So I, I've her. Um, I'm just going down the list here. Uh, maybe I'm just going to end there because I don't like. I had um, I had Jennifer Gray on there, but like I don't, I don't think she's that famous. Like I don't, I don't think she deserves an honorable mention. That's what I'm saying. I think the Jennifers as a whole are on a downward slide. Maybe Jessica Alba and Jennifer Garner, or not? Je oh my God, I did it again. Jennifer Garner, maybe. Um, but, yeah, but she's one of those that you kind of forget about. And you have to see that the problem with Jennifer Garner is you have to see a picture of Jennifer Garner to know who you're talking about. Anybody else on that list, you can kind of identify just by their name. Like, I know what Jennifer Connelly looks like, but if somebody was like Jennifer, Jennifer Garner, like, wait, which one is that one? I think, I, I think the only reason, once again, it's kind of like the Jennifer Aniston effect. Like, you know, and I'm not taking away from, I got to be careful here because, you know, I don't want to sound chauvinistic, but like, you know, Jennifer Garner because of her relationship with Ben Affleck. I thought she was with Justin Timberlake. No, no, that's, uh, I think that's Jessica Alba. No, Jessica Biel. I think that's Jessica Biel who is with Timberlake. I had Jennifer Grey on there. I agree. She's kind of fallen off, but she is well known in a certain generation. Um, the only other Jennifer that I would make an argument that is kind of like on an upswing is I don't can't think I think her name is Jennifer Coolidge. She's the American Pie woman. Yeah, but I'm glad you brought her up because I was actually trying to think of her. She is the prototypical. I know her face, but I never can remember her name. Right, that's what hurts her ultimately. You know exactly who she is, but then you got to like, what's her name again? Yeah, like that's Stifler's mom. That's basically who she should be credited as his boobies is Stifler's mom.
Oh, okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. Check out that demonstrations that are going to be up on YouTube on February 2nd. And let us know what you think are some of the best Jennifers. I think the difficulty is there's a lot that are kind of interchangeable at those kind of four and five spots. John may have convinced me on Jennifer Lopez, but I still think that ultimately Jennifer Aniston might be more famous. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.